Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From the Ringer Podcast Network, listen to Gamblers Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. Welcome into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. We are Cold Baby Chuck, the 24 karat closer, aka the brunch hottie. We are Steve, the architect of Almond, the builder of fun. We are Old Man Van, he of the receding hairline, the resurgent hairline. And we are Jomi, the explainer, a dinner on. You've got questions, he's got answers together. We are known as uh, of the Midnight Boys. <laughs> <laughs> You guys thought that I wasn't going to say it, but then I ambushed you with the fact that you have to watch and listen to other shows here on the Ringerverse Network because we're cooking right now. God damn it. All right, let's get into this program. Reminders. Thursday, Ben Lindbergh is back <laughs> to break down episode eight of She-Hulk. The question is, do you guys care? Not He's about just said it. we need to be listening to these pods. I, yes, I care. I care. When I say do people care, I'm not talking about Ben and the pod. I'm talking about the show itself. Well, yes. Yes, both. Both. Okay. Both. Right. I care. I enjoy She-Hulk. The last episode, there's a lot of stuff going on. The intelligentsia. Who's been sleeping in my bed, messing with my head, taking my place? No spoilers, but I'm into it. You guys tap back into She-Hulk. She-Hulk is great. Ben Lindbergh is great. Daredevil's finally arriving, so you guys can stop complaining. Yeah, Daredevil's finally coming. You guys can stop centering maleness in everything that has to do with ladies. Okay. (laughs) Friday, the House of R will be diving deep into the next episode of Rings of Power. Haven't seen one second of the show, but I'm hearing that people are enjoying it. Is this the case? I like it. It's good. It's a good show. I, 
I fell off. I'm not gonna. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm with Charles. I fell asleep one week, and it was that was the end of that. So wow. there you go. Yeah, that's not me saying it's a bad show. It's just like it, House of Dragon has my heart for right now. So. There you go. Mm-hmm. Saturday, Joe and I, I being Van Lathan Jr., are gonna team up to talk about the MCU Hollywood special Werewolf by Night, and I'm not gonna give anything away, but God damn it, am I fired up about that? <laughs> werewolf by night werewolf by night I it's I have fun okay we're gonna be doing that on Saturday this Sunday of course the big kahuna talk the thrones is back as Chris Ryan Mal and Joe give you their instant reactions to the house of the dragon right after the show house of the dragon which is killing it house of the dragon is so good it's messy at cinema. It's real cinema. A House of the Dragon is so... I would say that through five episodes, House of the Dragons is better than the original Game of Thrones series. Through five okay, episodes. Okay, w- wow. Whoa. That's- through five episodes. Man. Come on. You come, on come on. Wait, come, come, on come on. Come on. Fucking shit. Whoa. Whoa. Hold on. There's a discussion to be had. I, th- I think that that's. I think five episodes versus eight seasons is a pretty tall order. There no, is no, 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 no. There is. There that's is not what he said. No discussion to be had. There is no discussion. Y'all are. Whoa, y'all that's are not what I. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. That's not what What'd I you said. Say? I said you say? through five episodes. Okay. Not that it's better overall, but if you if you compare five episodes to five, look, this is completely divisive and stupid to do. I get it; it's no reason. Right? No, because this is what we thing, do. This is I what I'm mad about. Five episodes. <laughs> this is what I'm mad about. They can't even get their lace fronts correct, and we're already comparing it to the first season of Game of Thrones. Like, back the fuck up. Like, well, can for, we let it well, finish the season? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, first four episodes because the fifth one you couldn't see. That's fine. Uh, 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 wow. Oh, oh. Uh, we, see, were just, <laughs> we were just high on hot. See, well, Joey, no, get no, him, Joey. Get him, Joey. First of all, get him, Joey. None of Steve. Steve, we can see your television in the background. Yeah. Right? All I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, House of the Dragon's on right now. All I'm saying is you don't know how to operate a television. That's what I'm learning <laughs> from you right now. <laughs> No, no, no. Well, I'm dragons not. on right now. You just oh, can't see litigate this because you guys are on crack. Like, I like, what are you talking Hey, about? you know what? Let's do this at the end of the show then. I didn't know that I was going to. Let's, Steve, do we have a little time, a little time at the end of the show to litigate this very revolutionary idea from a very <laughs> revolutionary thinker known as Van Lathan that through the, I posit that through the first five episodes of Game of Thrones, the first five episodes of House of the Dragon, the House of the Dragon is better. Is it a fair comparison? No. No. <laughs> Are we stupid? Yes. Yes. Will we talk about this? Absolutely. Hell yeah. Spoiler we, warning today. We're giving our reactions we on air. We forgot Andor. one thing on the programming reminder. What? I prepared something for you guys. All right. Oh, wow. a little, no, no, a little song. no, no. A little no, song. Can wow. I? Wait, I prepared it. Why not? You guys know don't even know what I'm going to do about. yet. Yes, yes, we do, bro. <laughs> we, we all know. Go ahead and do it, Charles. Have your moment. <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I love you. Tomorrow, Black Adam's three weeks away. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are y'all fired up? <laughs> this is Why nuts, man. Why can't you guys let me have this? You, must you got be the stopped. Avi changed. You got everything. <laughs> you must Bruh. be stopped. Bruh, at first, you know what? At first, when, you, when I saw the new Avi, I was like... Mad. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I, like, I felt I felt like man, Charles gotta get off this shit. But then you know what I thought? I thought, I'm fucking with this. 
Go all the way. Take, take it all the way to the top. Change your name to the hierarchy of power. Go all the way. I, I, I'll tell you what, this movie better not be mid. I heard that it's really good. But this movie better not be mid. Charles, if this movie is mid, you're I'm done. I'm never so. hearing that of it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I just say one thing about the Avi? I have to send a special shout out and love to uh, my very embattled girlfriend because uh, she was working <laughs> all weekend. And I was like, hey, babe, could you log on to your computer again and make me a graphic? And she's like, Fine, what is it? And when she saw the Black Adam poster, I think she kind of debated breaking up with me at that yeah. point. Yeah, <laughs> she did. But she did. Poor thing. Poor Maria. <laughs> Maria, Maria. All right. But uh, we're talking about Andor today. Andor today. Today's show, we're giving our reactions and thoughts on the fifth episode of Andor. Uh, you guys, please, Steve, run that spoiler warning for people. We're getting ready to talk about Cassian Andor. You're listening to a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. Okay, to begin our reactions, as always, Charles, co-baby Chuck Holmes, will give you the Midnight Manifest, putting you in the know on episode five of Andor. Charles, take it away. All right, welcome to Andor episode five. Acts Forgets, directed by Susanna White, written by Dan Gilroy. We start with Cyril, he's languishing, at his mother's apartment, and she deduces that he has no future prospects and calls in a favor from mysterious Uncle Harlow. Cassian, meanwhile, wakes up to Skeen going through his belongings at the behest of Vel, and Cassian recognizes Skeen's tattoos, which are from the Empire detention centers that they both were at. As children, Nemec reveals to Cassian that he's writing a manifesto about the rebellion, but Cassian realizes that this group is poorly prepared for the upcoming task, and it's still pretty rough around the edges. When Cassian presses Vel on why they should trust Lieutenant Gorn, Vel reveals that he fell in love with a person on Aldani, and as retribution, he was passed over for a promotion and the Empire murders his lover. Skeen steals Cassian's Sky Kyber, demands to know why he agreed to be part of this mission, and that's when Cassian reveals that he's doing it for the money. Later that day, Vel forces Skeen and Cassian to make up. Then, Skeen shares that the Empire stole his brother's pepper tree farm, which led to his brother committing suicide. Meanwhile, on Coruscant, Mon Mothra's relationship with her family is falling apart, while Luthen is nervous about the loose ends of this operation and if it will go off without a hitch. And that has been... Your Midnight Manifest for Andor, Episode 5. Amazing. A lot of stuff there. Um, okay. I really enjoyed this episode. Super enjoyed it. Thought it was great. Turn it over to the guys. Charles, your instant reactions. From the first scene of Blue Milk and Cereal to the last scene <laughs> of Luthen just worried as hell. I was worried about this episode, not because I thought it was going to be bad, but I'm like, man, it can't. Nothing, nothing can stay up forever. It has to go down. Do they have enough ideas to sustain this? Like, there's no way. And I was just, again, blown away by how many ideas they fit into this. We're going to talk about it later. But just the idea of what is the manifesto for this rebellion? What do they believe in? We've never actually had a character that's thinking on that level, it's always like, blast them up. We got to sneak into this base. We got to destroy the Death Star. But we never really get into the nooks and crannies of like, what are the pamphlets? What is the book? What is the thing that people are reading when they go to the space library to be like, you know what? Fuck this. Alien lives matter. I was just blown away by this episode again. You know, 
the, we we talked about this in the first uh, first episode, but these things happen in three episode arcs, and you know we know that a heist is coming, and this episode felt like you know like in every heist movie, you know it was literally the, the day before, you know like in every Mission Impossible and Oceans and in Heat, you know the night before everybody's like ah, you know our lives could change tomorrow, you know what's gonna happen? We got to be ready. And this episode, this episode did a really, really good job of showing us just how nervous and jaded and how, like, you know, this thing is they're doing a big thing tomorrow. You know, who knows what could happen when it's all said and done. But, you know, we're here. Let's get it done. I loved it. I had a really good time. Really quick, Jomi. I just I just have to ask really quick. You love this episode probably because this is how you felt when you were a chicken finger bandit at Vans, were you feeling oh. nervous the night before when you were oh, going to run up and no, steal everybody's chicken fingers? Yeah. You know, it was like a six month mark. I had, had made the plans. I had the exit strategy. You know what I'm saying? A couple of people were just paid to be there. Exactly. Yeah. So when time came to make my, make my exit, you know, I was all prepared. It was a long time in the making, but I'm really glad that I executed. Well, I you guys can remember this fondly because we were, Aghast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, to Jomi's point, the rebellion, seeing these people go through the machinations and seeing them have all the emotions, it's like they 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 want to do what they're doing, but they don't want to be here. They wish they didn't have to. So you, a, a, before you do something like that, your mind starts trying to trick you out of it, and you're looking for excuses not to do it. Everybody knows that, Steve. Did you feel that way watching this episode? Oh, absolutely. Uh, knowing that we have a heist coming in the next episode, it the, like the term table setting it can also often be used as like a derogatory thing for like an episode for just like setting things up for the episode to come. I think that this has probably been the best table setting I might have seen in recent memory because we get a lot of how this party is really high strung and really burnt out for sitting here for months wallowing over this plan, worrying about all of this stuff, getting into the machinations of like why this is all important, getting into the political aspects of why we're all here, and then throwing Cassian into all of this just by being a even more high-strung, more doubting member of it. It was incredible. And then with all of these other threads that we have coming in with the rest of it, with Cyril and everybody else, I, I, I absolutely loved it. That like It was so well-strung, so, so well-executed. Let's go to Cassian and the gang, and let's start with what I felt like was uh, the most important scene here. Now, Steve has an amazing document here because Steve is obsessed with the relationship in this document between Cassian and Skeen. <laughs> Steve, you love this interplay. I did. This, I did. Um, Iman Moss Bakarak is almost playing the same role here that he played in The Bear. And kind of. <laughs> A little less of an asshole, but <laughs> poking are and uh, not really, know, bro. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay. Here's the thing, though. You, he's still you, kind of a dick. Come on, he's yeah. a he's a player hater in this. You get though. exactly he's why hater. he's doing that, though. Like, you got somebody coming in at the eleventh hour. You don't know a single thing about him. He's got all these guns you don't see. He's got like nothing to say for himself as to why he's here, what he believes in the cause. And every time he keeps trying to ask him, like, hey. What are you doing here and all that stuff? He's like, ah, I'm here to help. He's like, okay, team player. Nah, he has a stuff. reason to like, be. He has a reason to be skeptical. And just the like biggest the, reason, though, is because my man 
Cassian, Dirty Mac, and he he got his eyes set. Every no, single that's the biggest wow. reason. That's I know that's the biggest reason. It's, it's, it's very apparent, though. It was very apparent. Yeah, he was, was doing it? his thing. Well, yeah. He, well, he warned him about it, and then Cassian did it anyway. You're a he- oh, you're a healer. Like yo, <laughs> so, welcome, welcome, yo, you well, dress yourself, I mean, man. Dress yourself, I mean, dog. A, I mean, I think we'll get to it later, but I think like the only people who have been like nice to him have been Nemec and Cinta, right? And Nemec... Kind of Nemec. Like, not really. I mean, nah. but no, but Nemec was spitting his whole, like, you know, manifesto thing. So I can imagine, you know, Cash is like, I'm not really trying to hear all that. Only person who doesn't give him problems when they interact is Cinta. So he, you know what I'm saying? Nah, Cassian got a problem. This is what are happened you, with are you Fitz. Nuts? This is what happened I, with Cinta. Like, am I like, tripping? He yeah, got a weakness. definitely tripping. Cassian I don't know, is man. D- trying to do his thing. Oh, girl, you got a soft hand. Like, he's a, a horn dog. Come on, Jordy. No, nah, but that's okay. But then remember when they're in the, when they're burning the uh, the plans, right? To you know leave no evidence. They're passing around like a little drink, and she's just like right there. He just like does the customary pass thing. That's nothing. That's easy, simple, and even Val's like, "Hey, man, back up, player. What you, what you, what's going on?" <laughs> Val, like, Val, no, Val, no room for Val error here. Does not want does not want him looking at her general direction because that's Val's yeah. girl. Yeah, but I mean, like, come on, man, like. You know, we all a team. We supposed to be friends. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Jesus like, Christ. Wow. Right, wow. Right. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, uh, Jomi ain't no fun a dinner on until the like, Jomi Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jomi. Oh, what the goodness. hell? Jomi belongs on the Joe oh, Button podcast. Jomi, I can't. I don't see the problem. I okay. don't see the problem. I want to talk about to me what was one of the most important scenes in this whole episode. Uh, you got Cathian, the Cathian. You got you Cathian. got you got you got Cassian. Okay. Who's Cass- like, Tyson? You got, you got Cassian. You got Vel, and you got Karis. I think it was Is that his name with the, our brother with the AK forty seven. Okay, and we realize why Luthen needed Cassian as part of this group. They were not going to be able to do this without casting Andor. They weren't. There were things that they were just winging it on. They didn't have some of the skills, some of the expertise. Expertise. Cassian's life experience is integral, integral to this mission. He's refining them. When they're talking about the weight of the getaway vehicle, and they don't know how to calculate the weight. They don't know how to get it up in the air. They were going to fucking wing it. I watched that scene three different times. And that is so brilliantly played by Diego Luna. He was like, yo, if I wasn't here, how are you going to figure it out? <laughs> They're like, it would have been ugly, but we would have figured it out. It, it, the look of shock on his face when he realizes this is not a manicured top-level mission. These are people with heart, grit, and courage that are trying to do something, but they lack a little bit of that extra shit that they need. And once again, when they're marching, all the details that are going to make this mission a success, Cassian has those. And that's what Luthen saw in him at the beginning of this. Chuck, your thoughts? Cassian is like, he's like a Chris Paul figure going to the Suns. He's injured. He got the arm. Like, people are like, you, are you up for this? And you can tell he's coming in and, like, he's looking at these youngsters. They have 
they have it. They believe in something. They believe in this thing that's larger than them, but they don't have any of the active skills to pull this off. And that's what I think is so beautiful is that like even at the end, Luthen is worried because Cassian is a loose end. He's like, Vel is one, is the only one, and now he's introduced another. But I think what is so genius about Cassian's role in this episode is he's teaching them to think about things that they are not even ready to. Like when he's like, when Vel asks him, what's the arm that everybody shoots with? Cassian's probably known that from the minute he met everyone. They're not even thinking on this level tactically. And that is what I love, especially since this is the second episode before the heist, because you know what happens in any heist movie. Everything that could go wrong does go wrong. Absolutely. So that's what, and, and, and I think Cassie knows that. Right, and you keep having to learn on the fly, but this they were pre-fucking up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Steve, you, had, you wanted to get in there? I can tell you're chomping at the bit. No, yeah, no, it's exactly right. Cassian, like, it proves why he was such a, like, high-level operator in Rogue One because he's absolutely dunking on everybody in this operation now. He thinks about everything, and, like, even when it comes to, like, the old technology that they're using, the trackers that they're having, and then the old comms that they're having, they argue that it works better, but he can't quite figure out why they would actively choose to use something old if, they know, if he knows that it could work better. Every time that he's using something as instruction or the fact that they should switch sides, knowing everybody's left hand, people automatically take that as distrustful. They treat him as somebody that's not to be exactly understood because nobody thinks like that. And when it comes to him revealing why he's there for the most part, it makes entire, entire sense to them, but it also feels like an affront to why everybody else is there in the first place knowing that all that they have to think about is the cause. All they have to think about is why they're there. Cassian has another way of looking at all of this because he's like, okay, you need to be here. If you want to stay here, get out alive, which is why my favorite interaction is with him and Skeen, where he's like, my goal is to get out of here alive and win. And he's like, well, wouldn't that be great? They're already set up to fail. They already think that they'll probably die doing this. They just hope that they'll get it right. They're, they're rushing out to be martyrs when he mm -hmm. doesn't want to be a martyr at all. What he wants is mission accomplishment. Jomi, that's very, very important that he sees it that way because that's really how this is going to be successful. You can only have one Rogue One where you die in the mission. Other than that, <laughs> you need to be successful and be right. alive in some of these missions to actually have a functioning rebellion. That's true. You only get to die once. I think... To, and Steve was was touching on this. The the stress point is that for the most part, everybody else knows why they're here. They all have a common goal, right? The reason we want to destroy the empire is because you know Skeen is like they killed my brother, you know. And Nemec's like you see all these atrocities, man. Like how how much can we stand? Even we'll talk about Lieutenant Gorn's story a little bit later about why he's involved. They don't know why Cassian is involved. They've got no idea. How can you trust somebody to die for this rebellion if you don't know why they're here? You know? And so it's such it's such like an interesting thought experiment. You know, we're all here, like, you know, we're all in a group, da-da-da. What are your what are your motives? You know, you don't go rob the Empire for fun. That's not something you do. You don't just do that on a holiday. 
You know what I'm saying? And so for the episode to touch on that and have that be the central, you know, the central sticking point in that group, just, you know, was just an, a genius choice. Just, just well done. What I think is actually genius about this episode is what is it called? It's called The Axe Forgets. Because Skeen says, the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. What is an axe? That's the empire. The axe is a tool. The tree is nature. Nemec says later, we've grown, rel- we've grown um, reliant on imperial tech and made ourselves vulnerable. There's a growing list of things we've known and forgotten, things they pushed us to forget, things like freedom. So when Skeen is talking about his brother having those pepper trees, you know, it's a symbol of freedom is something that we're all innately born with. We're free. Society, the empire, all of these things chain us, imprison us. And everybody here knows deep down emotionally that they should be free. They know deep down that something is not right with the galaxy. That's all that they can really, really cling on. And this episode is interrogating so much. How do you get people that intrinsically know that something is wrong to learn what it is, to point that out, to be like, okay, this is actually what we're fighting for. It's not something nebulous. That's why Nebuk wants to write it down because everything they're fighting right for is nebulous. Skeen can't even really tell Cassian what his emotion is about the Empire driving his his brother to suicide. He can't pinpoint it, but that's the only thing that he has left. And I think what's so genius about this episode is it's trying to, it's trying to show us as viewers, all of these people, all of this little empire, their trees, they should be able to grow. Aldani, these people, they should be able to grow. Freedom is the one thing humans are born with that is immediately taken away from you. And what I love about this episode is it's interrogating how do you learn to recognize that? And how do you learn to take action upon that? And that's what Nemec is trying to do with his manifesto. Charles Holmes, candidate for president in the Libertarian <laughs> Party. <laughs> Charles Libertarian Holmes. No, don't I never do thought. Like I never, I never thought it. Charles, I don't want to wear do, my seatbelt. Holmes, no, I'm just joking. That's actually really well said, bro. Really well said. Skiing to me represents something really powerful in the episode. Skiing represents skepticism, but healthy skepticism. The skepticism that you need. Like, remember one time I was gonna fight this dude, right? It's tenth grade. Never forget this. And I was. Like there was, it was you know first period, second period. The it was the whole fucking sitcom uh, archetype to where you had all day to think about this. Oh, after school. Yeah, you had all bleachers. Yeah, right. like no, 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 no. This was gonna be a football practice though, because we play we play football. So it's the whole time, and it was like, damn. I remember sixth period. I'm like, damn. Do you really want to do this? This could be bad. This dude is a senior. You know what I mean? Like, this guy's big. Like, this could be bad. And then the healthy skepticism that you need to think of a plan. I was like, all right, straight up. I'm going to go for the throat. That's what dad always told me to do. I'm going to punch him, but not in his face, in his throat. I'm going to punch him dead in his throat, try to incapacitate him, get on him, dog him a couple times, and then they'll break it up. I tried to punch him in his throat, and I got him on the chin, and he went to sleep. 
I tried to punch him in his throat. I got him on the chin, and I just, I never forget. Like I broke my hand too. I never forget that he that he was like, and he went to slip. And I was thinking, damn, that's who Skeen is to me. He's a throat puncher, and he's I, I'm being serious. He's a throat <laughs> puncher. What he, like what like what he's trying to do is is to make sure that they can have as vital an attack and hit as vital a target and in the empire as possible. And he's talking to himself by talking to Cassian. He's making sure that Cassian is as ready for this as he needs to be. And he's scared, scared just like I was. Because you can take all of that scary sort of energy and turn it into a really effective attack, but you have to litigate it. And him and, and his conversation with Cassian is that. The fact that he's trying to figure out, he's trying to weasel his way out of it, he's trying to lose his nerve, but they become even stronger because Andor is that other side that goes, hey, we got to do this. I know you don't want to, but it's, it's, you, you, there's no turning back now. You didn't talk to all the shit. You didn't told everybody you're not scared of this guy. And, every, and he just said, oh, you're not scared of me? Okay, bet. Fight. We fighting it. Like, like I'm going to run into you. That's what we used to say in Louisiana. I'm going to run into you after this. Okay, if you're not scared of me, I'm going to run into you after, after school. Football practice, I'm going to run into you. <laughs> and so the, I watched them go through that, and it was such a powerful scene. You guys, I want you to just say, we talk about table setting. This episode, nothing happens. This is a series of really amazing conversations that ended up being one of the best episodes of Star Wars TV I've seen. Yes. It seems like they, this show is operating at such a high fucking level, man. I want to ask you this. You, you call Skeen skeptical. I really think what he is, besides being skeptical, because he is, is jealous because what's the first thing that we learn about Skeen? Interesting. Is that... When he's when he's rummaging through Cassian's belongings, the only person that recognizes the tattoos is Cassian. I think what Skeen is really worried about is that Cassian is a reflection of him. They both were locked up as children by the Empire. Both of them lost siblings. One, a brother. Um, Cassian, was he doing the first episode? He's looking for his sister. Both of them lost nature with... Um, what's his, uh, Canari is the planet. Canari gets destroyed. The, the pepper tree, um, farm that Skeen's brother is on gets overtaken by the empire. What I think this episode is actually doing is Skeen realizes like Cassian is a better version of me, or at least he's a version that's more prepared for this fight. I'm scared. And for some reason, Cassian is not. And I think that worries him. He's just like, why can't I be like him? We both come from the same place. The Empire is taken equally from both of us. And that's what I think he's like. But fuck, why am I like this? Why am I the coward of the group? And why is Cassian so ready? But, that, but I think that's what makes him, and you guys can jump in, boys, but I think that's what makes him skeptical, skeptical of Cassian. Cassian isn't scared, I think, because his, his entire mission is self-preservation. And he doesn't really have time for it. He's just trying to figure out a way out. And I think they, they're scared because they're pretty sure they're going to die. So, you know what I mean? Like, they, they want to survive, but there's so much uncertainty with them. I think that, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think, I think it's Cassian's disposition bothers him because he's so stoic. Am I wrong about that? No, and it's it's perfectly illustrated when we, we get to the confrontation between him and Skeen when he takes the kyber crystal because, like, he can tell that everybody's afraid, but he also knows the difference between fear and losing your nerve. And he knows that the group's dangerously close to that. Yeah. And 
the fact and if and if all of it takes is to just know why he's actually here for everybody to just be like kind of cool then he'll say it but for the fact that he's like supposed to lie supposed to not be like just to just act like everybody else it's a ruse that's untenable even luthan like kind of called the wrong play there if he had have done that from the start maybe things would have been a little bit more cooler if you know everybody was up front about why he was here in the first place maybe that would have gone a little differently yeah. But instead, they decide to, like, try to play it underneath the table. They try to play it like, you know, everybody's on the same playing field when easily Skeen knows that he's not. Clearly, this guy's an operator. This guy's, like, a cut above everybody else here, and he doesn't know why. You got to remember, the episode opens with Skeen going through Cassian's stuff, right? That's how they have the conversation about the tattoos, whatever. And then again, there's another thing at the camp where he's like, hey, man, stop going through my things. What's what's going on? So Ski knows that, all right, this guy's hiding something. Like, whatever, he's protecting something. He's got something that he's hiding. What is it? And it's not until they're up on that on that ridge and he, like, sees him falling his neck. He's like, ah, got him. <laughs> we got him. And he takes out the kyber crystal, you know? And he's like, this expensive thing, you have money. We're all here broke, no prospects, no nothing. You know what I'm saying? We're doing this because we have to. Why are you with money? You could, you know, sell that, get, you know, how many ever units and go anywhere. Why are you here? You know, you don't have to be here. We don't have anything to lose. You have some, you know, semblance of of money. You don't have to be here. And I think, I mean, that's clearly the central issue. And that's like, that's why Skeen doesn't understand Cassian. Because like, bruh, my brother died. Yeah. I've I've got nothing to give except my life to this cause. You can run away. Why why should I trust you? Mm. Why are you here? Did you think that the money thing was a little bit misplaced? Let me ask you this, guys, because I don't think that any of these people are doing this because they're poor. They're doing it because of animus that they have towards the empire. So why would the fact that he had, I was wondering about that. I wonder if you guys can give me a little clarity. Jomi just did a good job of it. I wanted to see what you guys thought. Charles, like, why would him having a kyber crystal that was worth thirty or 50,000 credits make him not want to destroy the empire if destroying the empire was what was in his soul? Because I think we have to go back to Nemec being so, so excited to show Cassian his manifesto because he realizes, he's like, oh, I have one. Somebody who just does not believe in this. Like, Nemec is actually pretty smart. He realizes from the moment, he's just like, yo, Cassian don't believe in shit. Like, he does, like, he is not here for any cause. He's here for himself. I can preach to him. I can give him the gospel. And that's actually what I think scares them, which is just like, there's not, like, Cassian has like a few screws loose. They're like, dog, why the fuck would you be here? If you don't believe in some higher power, if you don't believe in some reason that's larger than yourself, because even Cassian kind of knows, he keeps being like, bruh, y'all motherfuckers are going to get me killed. And I think it scares everybody in the camp being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. we are ready to die. Yeah. Why is it this motherfucker ready? It's <laughs> a good question. What the fuck? Why are you scared? Look, we got to move on because there's a question that Steve put in the document. And we have to do it. We have to do some midnight pronosticating real quick. Who's going to make it out of the job alive? Man, let me tell you something. Watching this episode. We had a, we had a small, we, we had a couple of people that were candidates. 
I've almost got none. <laughs> oh, dude. I've almost got none. Nemec is going to die the hardest, saddest death I've ever seen in my entire life. Bro. Oh, Nemec. Gazi is oh, obviously coming back, gosh. but like, who is actually coming back? Does Skeen die? Yeah. Yeah, Skeen is gone. Yeah. Skeen's, Skeen's, Skeen's gone. Dead. I think Cassian is going to take Nemec's notebook or manifesto, and that's actually, in the next three episodes, what is going to give him the power to be like, what, what am I actually fighting for? Right. Boy, Nemec is toast. Sinta is crispy. She's out of here. Like, She's crispy. Yeah. Yep. I say only two survive. I say Vil and Cassian survive. Yeah. I, I would see that. I see that. I only see Kaz and Cassian surviving. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Wait, so, but we're all in agreement that no more than two people are leaving this. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's yeah, very, yeah. very yeah. 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 Nobody's yeah. getting out yeah. there. And look, Nimic wrote a manifesto. You guys have to understand, manifestos are touch and go. <laughs> I'm saying that, a, I'm, I'm saying that a, a manifesto is all about the manifest T. Because mm. yeah. most times you hear the term manifesto, not good. Uh-uh. I'll just say like, like, I'll just say, like the, the hit rate like, on a manifesto like, is very low. It's, it's, it's very low. low. Most most times by the time you hear manifesto, something pretty fucked has happened. So, <laughs> yep. so, so like is 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 not not manifesto, not good. So I when they first said that he was writing the manifesto, I was like, yeah, I don't want to call it like a journal. <laughs> or a, a constitution, like a rule, or rule book, like a, a, declaration a declaration of independence. Right? I'm, I'm writing a bill of rights right here. Not that those always work out for everybody either, because you know, slavery. But what I'm saying is, a manifesto is like, God damn, like those are those get written in bunkers. Yeah, the so, brand's been spoiled. But to be, on those. But to be fair to Nemec, I think the thing that is, is actually sad is that we're at a place where the rebellion is still so new and is still so fragile that it takes a child. Like, this is a child with so much idealism. He is not like Cassian. He is not like Luthen. The Just that part of him hasn't been beaten out yet by the system. So, of course, it's going to be the kid who's just like, I could dream of a better future. That's why when the minute he said it, I'm like, man, you're going to be the first motherfucker to go. <laughs> <laughs> the the death flag's there for sure. Before we move on from this, though, we didn't talk about Lieutenant Gorn. I got I got two things. One, he's well dressed. He looks good. Yeah. Man, looks good. Plays the part. Even got the homies to be like, ah, you guys want to see the eye tomorrow. Okay. You know, we'll uh we'll let this place go light, you know, that conveniently where all the money is, you know. Uh his story about uh falling in love and losing promotion is tough. You know, it uh it's very it's it's the stuff. I don't know the goddamn know. shit. It's like you got yeah, yeah. You see fishy? Is it, 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 I didn't think it was fishy. It doesn't. It's not fishy. If there's just, gonna be one traitor in the group, let's just say like this. Why, would it, be, in why there. would it be? That's him, too though. obvious. That's. I don't like, know. Yeah. yeah. Like I, here's the thing. I think of all the people that we've learned about intimately, and the all, all everybody else has told their story personally. We haven't heard what Gorn's actual story is. We've we've heard we've got hearsay. And he's like, okay, so he lost out on a promotion because he fell in love. So fuck the Empire. All right. I mean, but the Empire right. did kill his shoddy. So yeah, you know? sure. So there's one thing that I think is important. I do think that Gorn, the story is true. Because if you look at his face when he's talking to that private, who's like, I can smell the Aldani. He's like, he's like, mm. he, he wrinkles. He's just like, fuck this dude. 
But I think it is interesting that he lost out on two things. Not only did the Empire murder his lover, but he lost out on a promotion. So we have to ask ourselves, what's more important to Gorn? Revenge against the Empire or now taking a, a higher seat because obviously that promotion meant a lot for him for somebody to have to bring it up. Or that he's yeah. just stuck on this like, you know, shitty planet just like doing this shit where he, he had like bigger ambitions. Or he's inside the Empire and he knows more than anybody. Oh yeah, he's got the dirt. Yeah. This was a little pocahontas yeah. though. His story a little bit. I was just like, oof. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I have a question about you guys. We talk about cereal real quick. Do I get credit for my prognostication? Remember I prognosticated that his mom would like feed him his favorite food? Remember I said that? I don't know if that's his favorite. He wasn't exactly like, oh, yay, I'm about to dig in. Van gets a point. Van gets a point on the board. He does actually. I I don't know. I don't know because it wasn't clear, but I just knew that there would be a scene where his mom was like, if his mom making food for him, I've seen this so many times. Even the fact that he, he pushes it away and he doesn't really want it. Because he's I, I, too emotionally I read that forlorn. I, he eat. super doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there at all. Also, she she's ba- also she's babying him because she's feeding she, him cereal. She's putting the she's putting the screws to him as uh, well. Yes. Like the moment that he comes on the strike. <laughs> Do you guys have any parents in your life like Cyril's mom? <sighs> Man, oh this, my dog. I'm not. I won't call anybody out. But like th- this, this felt real true to life. What you mean you won't call anybody out? You got two fucking parents. I know, but like, if, say you say you fall on hard times and you come back home, you boomerang for a second, and man, like you already feel bad enough about yourself, but you really don't need somebody in your ear telling you like, what are your next prospects? When are you getting another job? When are you going to do this? Like, this is tough, and it, like it really is indicative of how Cyril has kind of like presented himself in the three episodes prior. You could tell what kind of home he comes from because of what we just saw. And th- like it was it was profound what we saw. Man, this gave me war flashbacks to when I graduated <laughs> grad school. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> come out, you know, graduate, you know, do the whole thing, come back home. It's like, all right, cool. It's great having you for a weekend. When's that job coming, pal? I gotta start making this money. Uh, this uh it's not really looking like it's supposed to look, you know. And that's just, I mean, what was he, like, it felt like he was just there, like, two days already. Two, two, like, like a weekend. Like, what? Yeah. And his mom, like, he just got there. His mom, like, hey, you're not going to sit around here and just uh, sit here for free. Uh, you got to get here and uh, make some money. You're not just going to, you're not just going to lay here. I was like, dang, bro, I feel that. I know. Man, same. Show me. I feel you so much because in college, I had to move in with my uncle. There was six motherfuckers living in that house. Summer, it was, I think it was either, like, Sophomore, junior year of college, I'm the only motherfucker with a job. I'm going to unpack boxes at Old Navy at 5 a.m. And then I'm going to fucking be a waiter at Applebee's. And I'll never forget, nobody else has a job in the house. 
And my uncle looks at me. He's like, yeah, so when are you going to get a real job? I'm like, motherfucker, I'm the only one in here helping you with the bills. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, realize that was the last time I ever went home. He's just like, yeah, what's your future prospects? I'm like, bruh, it's junior year of college. I need you to relax. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, remember, I remember, God rest his soul, my dad, my dad walked in the house one day. And it was always a situation to where he would walk in the house and be wringing wet with sweat. Cause he, my dad was a, my dad was like a hands-on type of boss. So he was, he he was a, he owned a construction company. But oh damn, you got money like that? Nah, <laughs> it's a financial <laughs> situation hit us hard. But like he owned a construction company, but he would get out there and work because he wanted to be a part of the guys. He come in ringing wet with sweat, and he look at me. He would just be like, "Look at you, flopped around. You a flop? You can turn this whole house into a flop house." Get your ass up and do something. And so I started making sure that I stayed working and stayed with a job so I would never have to run into him and hear the Flophouse narrative. Cyril right now is flopping. Yeah. Well, I was flopping in the give flop him, house. Give him a day to figure it out. He's looking up at the window. He's he's missing the empire. He wants to be he wants to be on, on a better path. Wait, but I gotta I gotta ask you this. What makes it worse though is the Uncle Harlow of it all. Cause you uh, ever been in a situation oh. where like your parents, somebody, like a father, mother figure, like, all right, I'm calling in our I'm calling in the favor from the family. And when you're like, I'm ne- Thanksgiving, Christmas, I'm never gonna hear the end of it. So don't call that motherfucker. Like, I don't wanna hear it. I don't wanna be indebted to this motherfucker. Do not make any calls. Well, actually, I, my, all my uncles is in jail, so I never they couldn't do that same <laughs> Charles, bro. Jeez. Let me when bro, let me tell you, man. Get, again, graduate. <laughs> my parents to try to find me work. They're like, hey man. Your uncle for so and so, he worked at Boeing, man. We get you plugged in, you feel me? Oh, uh, your aunt, she worked at Spectrum. You trying to? I was like, dog, I just want to tweet. I want to tweet about sports, bro. Just let me live. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did your parents be what, like, what, bro, what, what, if you don't get off your phone and go and go to fucking Spectrum, like dog, you out of the house? Dog, Spectrum goes was, down too much. What do we think the family favor was? <laughs> what do we think this is? Is this a job with the Empire that Cyril just? No, got this is a job with the Empire. That's what I yeah. took it for sure. I think I think it's it's definitely a pride thing. He does not want to take this, and I think this is going to be like a desk job that he's not going to be like the boots on the ground. He's not going to be. He's going to be do nothing. He's going to be sat there just like ticking boxes, getting copy some something that he is like beneath him, and. He's not going to do that, and I think he's definitely setting himself up to like maybe go rogue, kind of like figure out like again. Like I still think he's on the warpath to interacting with uh, oh my goodness with Deborah, yes, yeah, uh, to interacting with her because like he needs just somebody outside of the system to know that like I've got like a thirst for Cassian that like I, I like I've got to get this guy. You don't think this was an ISB thing? I th- I think that's where he's going. I think he's gonna that's find his way to the ISB. ISB. Mm. Yeah. And then I think she'll see him and be like, you know what? You're better than this. You're better she's than this. So, she's so intuitive. Yes. Uh she's so intuitive that she is going to be able to suss out somebody that has that type of bloodthirst for Cassian Andor and for the rebellion. They they're they're on a crash course. One of the more interesting narrative threads in the show is how they get to meet each other. Mon Mothma, she's a prisoner. She's a Mon Mothma is a prisoner in her own home. Her daughter's a flake. Her husband's an even bigger flake. They seem to be so comfortable and so complacent with the life that her status has granted them that they can't even see how miserable she is. I am now wondering, though, there was no daughter when we talked about 
Mom Mothma in the last episode, but now there's a daughter. So the Mom Mothma I know, I'm not aware of how much family she has. What's going to happen to these people? Like, what is going to happen to the family of Mon Mothma? Like, who is her husband? What is her husband? Is she going to have to lose her family to gain a rebellion? They totally sawn her out. Once I saw the daughter, I'm like, you ain't built for this life. Like, I can already tell. You too, you too used to the glitz and the glamour. First time the Empire comes knocking on the door, I guarantee you it's going to be her pointing, being like, go get her. She's a traitor. She's not like, even going to look up from her Xbox when, when the police nope. come. Wow. Y'all, wait. Y'all, y'all thought that... Y'all saw the daughter... I thought she was built for this life, for no, this rebellion. No, life. but you know, that's your mom. She's supposed to have a level of, you know. You know hey how man. white people are with their moms, Steve? That's I'm just, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that was a rude ass strike. You don't need to do that at all. Uh, you don't need to do that at all. Hey, no, they, wait, well, Danny Jomi didn't say nothing. They looked in there and was like, eh, listen, well, look, look, listen. I, look, I'll let you and Steve work that out. Yeah, that's between you two. <laughs> I was I'm just you, here. Steve grabbed you by the throat, or when you sound all distorted on the pod, you forget. <laughs> like, yeah. you're, you're talking to the architect right now. Steve gets off this. He turns. He gets in his Colonel Sanders uniform from the Matrix. Shit. I'm making it sound like an Ewok all pod. You, nah, he's you, taking out all that shit. I'm like, yo, Steve, take this out of the pod. And he's like, we have a special episode. Oh, yeah. fuck this shit, Charles. It, it's, it's gonna be so. It's gonna be okay. We're getting rid of Deep Shadow Protocol, but just for Charles. Yes. <laughs> this episode will be Charles's manifesto. Fuck, fuck what right. Steve you want. That's Oz right there. Um, I'm not sure if Star Wars is going to do the death of Mom Mothma's daughter. I'm not sure. But it's it's obvious that what they're doing is they're uh, sort of showing a contrast between uh, something that she's incredibly passionate about, something that she's incredibly invested into, which is the rebellion. It's something that's really invested into her and needs her, which is the rebellion, needs Mom Mothma desperately, and a family that seems to not... A family that seems to that seems like they could either take her or leave her. They they don't they straight up don't respect her. They don't respect her. So it's almost paving the way for Mom Mothma to get a new family. And of course, we know it, you know, eventually that family will be uh the Rebel Alliance. Luthan. Not a lot of Luthan here. No yeah. Bix. They they playing us with Bix. All right, I need right. Come on. I mean, I, th- I think Bix has played her part for the moment. Yeah, you know, we will get Whoa, Bix. When what do you got against Bix, Bix Steve? Damn, nothing against Bix. He's, She's Bix going through played. some hard times right now. Yeah, well, oh, I'm going through some hard times too by not seeing her. So bring her back on the show. <laughs> she did go back to Ferrix, so you know. For a we, need, we need a we need a, a, a some type of button for like chill. You too horny. <laughs> like relax. That's I'm not. Bonk. That's not. Wait a minute. Why is bonk. that gonna be? You know what? You guys are. Everything that you guys do is so heteronormative, and Van just learned what that word meant last week. Every time, every time we're like, "Hey, Van, I don't know." He's like, "Hey, guys, you're you're chauvinist. You are. You are. It's okay." Uh, Oh man! All right, so so uh, Luthen, just real quick, we'll touch on Luthen. He's worried. I felt like what he was going through in the back of his shop is uh, very tied to what we see the rebels um, that are about to hit the Empire's uh, money where it hurts, Cassian and the crew, Vel and the crew, Vel is the leader. I think it, it, it's showing just how t- 
tense things are right now with this this op and just how major it is and how much they feel like it means to what it is that they're trying to do. And I thought that that, that scene was very good um, and describing that there's a Luthen who's the guy that we've seen has had so much power. There's still a powerlessness that he feels by being so far away from the operation. Also, I didn't realize his assistant was like from last episode, you could, you could say like, oh, she's just a throwaway character. She's, but there was that sprinkle of her knowing that she needs to distract Mon Mothu's driver. And it's so brilliant in this episode that we get to see, no, she's actually Luthen's partner. She knows everything that he knows. She's just like, she's actually the one who's like, you need to chill. You're too in your head. It's either going to work or it's not. Go to bed. And I love the fact that like, in lesser hands, she would have been a throwaway character. And in this, they're like, no, every single character you see on screen is there for a reason and important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to remember, what did she say too? She says, well, they can track back to us. You know? Mm. That was the only one they can trace back to That was the only one they can trace back. Who's Val? Who's Val? This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, before we leave, guys, I want to I want to litigate this idea that I had earlier. <laughs> Do you just want to apologize? This, this, a, this absurdity. No, what are you talking yes. about? There's a discussion. I think there's there no is discussion. To be a conversation to be had. All right. What's the Y'all conversation? Got the okay. So we're through. I, I, and this is just bullshit to talk about, guys. It's just a, don't get all mad. <laughs> George R. R. Martin. Don't get mad. Through five episodes of House of the Dragon, are we not? Five episodes of House of the Dragon, we got a lot of shit happening. And I'm not saying that there wasn't a lot of shit happening in the first five episodes of Game of Thrones because there was. But. Maybe it's because I the original Game of Thrones has been an incredible primer for House of the Dragon. As far as I'm concerned, the first five episodes of House of the Dragon. Wait, seven. I just checked it. Seven. It's been seven episodes of House of the Dragon? Yep. Let's take it out to seven. The first seven episodes of House of the Dragon, to me, are at least as good, if not better, than the first ep- seven episodes of Game of Thrones. Through seven episodes. Through seven. Mm-hmm. Through seven. I'll I'll only say this. I'm looking at the episode list right now for season one of Game of Thrones. Uh, we keep forgetting 
how many characters are in Game of Thrones season one. Like, not only do we have the entire Stark clan, we've got Daenerys, we've got, uh, like, so, like, there's so many other things that, like, the House of the Dragon is doing so insularly with a handful of characters because we're so focused on this, like, very big, quick stretch of time of, like, jumping from, like, they're 13 to, like, like, Rhaenyra is 13, now she's, like, 23. And we've got to, like, do all of that in seven episodes just to get the table setting of, there's that word again, like, of what we're kind of, like, rushing towards near the end of this first season. Get to the point, Steve. I think that the fact that they have so many smaller characters or so many few characters on the board at this point, they have a lot more to do with them. And they have a lot more time to jump across. I think that helps it in its favor. So what? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's an unfair comparison, but I would agree I that you are more invested. There's a, no, because this is a wild comparison because House of the Dragon, if we're going to be real, because of all the time skips, because of all of the actors that they have to switch out, like we are on, for some characters, the third incarnation, fourth incarnation of this character. Like, I felt like for the first time, House of the Dragon last episode was like, all right, this is what the show is. Everything else is oh, like no, you're freely. out of your mind. You're no. At, bro, you're, you're, there are way, there yeah, are you're, way yeah, that's a tough too one. many. <laughs> there are way too many points in those early episodes where I'm like, okay, I kind of see where you're going, but this this show is still in the shadow of Game of Thrones. So, like, hey. Now you're, is you're, you're out of your, you're out of your, really? you're out of your I'm out of my it's, mind. O- it's only a little disorienting when, like, the next episode that we see is, like, five years ago as opposed to, like, the next day. Or, or even, like, I'm going to be real. There are, there are things that are happening in House of the Dragon where I'm like, hey, the original Game of Thrones, the way it was paced, we got to care about these characters because they're doing so many time jumps. I'm like, bro, what am I supposed Terrible. to like? What the fuck am I supposed to feel about crab feeder? What am I supposed to the fuck I'm supposed honest, to feel about you, this woman being burned to crisp by her dragon? We've literally only seen her on screen for collectively 15 minutes. Emotionally, bro. this shit don't make any sense. And I like where House of the Dragon is going, but comparing it to Game of Thrones being like, yeah, it's all right. It's these seven episodes are already as good as the first season. Bruh, nah, man. It you is wilding. It, it, you no, wilding. No. Here's the deal. First of all, if you can't connect to the House of the Dragon, then you can't connect to House of the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't yeah, connect, when to, there's that's three fine. or four actors within the span of seven can I, episodes, can I? Can I? I okay. I'm just all right. Go. All right. Wake up, Mr. West. <laughs> no whoa, way you just said that. Whoa, there's anybody, no way you just up, said that. Wake up, wake, whoa, wake, wake ben, up, Mr. West. Don't put me in this. I feel I your, I feel your blustering. Charles is gonna pop up in a White Lives Matter T-shirt next. You're pulling rank on everybody. Wake up, Mr. West. Look, 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 look. Yes. No, look, Charles. I see your point. I be honest with you. I think House of Dragons is amazing. Like I think I like the show. Whoa, I like here. Let's just say this before people jump on me. I like the show a lot. What I'm saying is, it's getting off to me to a more consequential start than Game of Thrones, and that's just because the subject, the the source material is so different. To your point, it does have some advantages. Uh, I was into Game of Thrones at this point, but I was still sussing out who was who, who mattered, what we're doing. What the word and this is just an easier story to tell. The time jumps are not bothering me at all. They're bothering you, how you are they bothering? What were you gonna like? Are we gonna be here for like seven years watching Rhaenyra and Allison grow up? And we got a dang, 
It's 2035. Wow, they finally grown up. Shout out Talk the Thrones, which I like I'm loving. But like when I listen to them, I do agree that like there are parts in House of the Dragon where I'm like, they kind of yada yada a lot of stuff to the point where I'm just like, what do the dragons mean in this world? Who has what dragon? What are the relationships to them? Because they have so much table setting to get to what is going to be the present day story. I'm like, what am I supposed to feel for a lot of these characters? Because we just don't get enough time to live with them. We don't get enough time to really, really dig in because the minute you see old homeboy, who's the biological father of Rhaenyra's kids, they're like, all right, he's burnt to a crisp. I'm like, all right, why the fuck would I care? I, like he was on screen for collectively like 10 minutes. Why the fuck do I care? The old Game of Thrones, you lived with them for seasons so that when they're like, all right, they're done, you're like, oh, fuck. Like it hurt. And I don't, House of, House of the Dragon has not learned that yet. Man, lesson no, yet. Nobody got time head. for all that, bro. I ain't gonna lie to you. Nobody got time for all that. Wait, y'all ain't, y'all ain't real TV watchers then. Um, what can I say? We're not, we ain't real, we, we ain't, we ain't real TV watchers. Is that we what you're saying? We ain't real TV watchers. Y'all ain't in the, y'all ain't have in you the, ever, have you ever watched Titans? HBO Max, it's coming back in November, bro. It's coming back. Real, you call real it. Cinema. Yo, you're saying, you're saying I'm the numbers up. Y'all better run them numbers up because one day that shit's going to be on the service and the next day they... You know what, Charles? You're talking all of this shit and you got yourself photoshopped on top of Black Adam's body on Twitter. <laughs> you're, you're like, you're like, nothing that you say The power is about to shake. Y'all, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I got to be real, this is about where I'm talking my shit. Y'all better get on this Black Black Adam train because if y'all want y'all little, y'all little shows, if y'all want Titans... <laughs> WB, HBO Max needs that shit. So y'all better jump on this, man. That is One thing before we go, though, and I think um, we didn't talk about this, and this is something that's been like, you know, as soon as I saw it last night on the episode of Andor, it was just like weighing on my heart, and I couldn't wait to to talk about this. So you guys remember that conversation with uh, Lieutenant Gorn on the bridge? Yes. Right, And he's talking to, you know, the guy, just like, you know, thinking about seeing the landscape and all that. You know who that guy was played by? Guys played by a man named Nick Blood, who coincidentally played uh, Lance on Aces of Shield. Aces of Shield agenda lives on, baby. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap this fucking episode up. Okay, everybody's off the rocket. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a wrap, guys. Thursday, Ben Lindbergh returns to break down episode eight of She Hulk. Check in with Ben. Check in with the show. Friday, the House of R will be deep diving into the next episode of Rings of Power. Can't name one character. Saturday, Joe and I team up to talk about the MCU special Werewolf by Night. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're a werewolf. Look at that werewolf. Now, I loved this situation. I can't wait. You guys are going to be a lot of fun. The Sunday Talk to Thrones is back. Uh, it's Chris Ryan. Mal and Joe give you their instant reactions to House of the Dragon right after the show. Right after the show, Mal and Joe. Right after the show, Chris, Mal and Joe. Uh, right after the show, Chris, Mal and Joe. After the show, after the show, Chris, Mal and Joe. Come on. After the show, Chris, Mal and Joe. I make up songs so that you guys can have enjoyment. Credits. I enjoyed it. Our producer, Steve, the architect, Almond. Jomi, a dinner around on social media. Hashtag Show me the homie hopper. <laughs> that's not even, that's first of all, that's not even clever. That's not funny. And frankly, we need to have a discussion about these names. I'm talking about no, you. No, said, you said that in, in this episode. What do you mean? I didn't say anything, but we're I, all a team. Well, you said we're, we're all a team. 
Yeah. You say we're all a team. You can't, you can't be friendly hopper. with the homie. You can't be like, hey, man. We know what we you meant, you Snoop made your Dogg. Case. What are you talking about? We know what you meant, nah, Snoop bro. Doggy. Maybe I've seen it differently. Snoopy Doggy. He was just being nice. Yeah, whatever. Additional production comes from Seen But Not Heard. Arjuna, Rampapal, Charles, take us out. Andor is on a roll. And my Adam is black. Jomi, Van, I need you to stop smoking that crack. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm a big fan of the marshmallows. It's disgusting, what? too. Bro. Look at Charms. This is amazing. What are you talking about? Bro, you eat zero no. raisins. I don't want to hear nothing from you. You, you don't get you to say raisin, raisin Nut Brand has the little... They're coated. I don't want to hear... No. Oh, they're no. coated. Raisin Nut Brand is better oh, than fucking... Raisin Nut Brand say. is better than... Lucky Charms sucks. Go ahead, Joey. Oh, at number, number, one, at number one, the GOAT. Come on, have some respect for your number one, your ruler, top dog. CT Crunch, baby. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Crunch. Yeah, Cinnamon Toast Crunch got the black community on lock. <laughs> That's right. Sure. Sure. All right, yo, Steve. Steve. Right, man, no particular order here. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, it is there. It like yeah. It is seriously there. I had Reese's Puffs as a kid. Like Ooh, crazy. Reese's Puffs. Yeah, but you don't yeah, like Reese's Cocoa Puffs? Puffs? That's crazy. Reese's Puffs are it's way weird. better than Cocoa Reese's Puffs way better. I never had that before. This is Reese's all good. past my era. Reese's Puffs is good. Reese's Puffs. Reese's Puffs. Peanut butter Reese's. chocolate flavor. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> and then, uh, underrated, Cinnamon Life. Man, see, that's a joint. That's a joint of the fours, bro. That's a joint of the That's a joint of the fours, bro. Talking from Raisin Man? Bro, bro. Come on. That, that's a joint of the It's a canvas. You put the bananas in. I guarantee you right now. No way. I guarantee you right now. Raisin Nut Brand. People are going to love the Raisin Nut Brand choice. That right there was a was a Jordy LaForge. <laughs> That's a Jordy LaForge. <laughs> who, who am I pandering to for cinnamon life? No, we got we got I'm gonna go, and then we need to let the Midnight Wait. Mob and Midnight Riders fucking vote on this shit. I'm going number one, cinnamon toast crunch overall. Yep. Number two, we're going fruity pebbles. Number mm. three, Joe me, I rock with you. We're going fucking Lucky Charms, y'all. Let's go! High. No, come on. Lucky Charms is amazing. Tell me, I don't want to hear anything from Mr. Life and Mr. Raisin. By the way, by the way, it's not Raisin Brand. See, y'all don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about Raisin Nut Brand. Brand. Raisin Nut Brand. I'm sorry. Get that shit out of here, man. Raisin Nut Brand is dope. I tell y'all something else. You know what else is 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 underrated? If I really want to be an old man. Just special K, baby. Oh, oh just so okay. nice. special, oh, little special K. Let's get Man is old. Yeah, I'm old, but I'll be regular though. The rest of you guys are gonna walk around all backed up. I'm gonna feel right up and, and, and hurry on all my feet. That's fine. I'll, I'll be Van about to be like, have y'all ever heard of some Kashi cereal? Kashi is Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna lie, bro. Kashi is kind of never mind. I'm not even going to go Um, Okay, let's get back on track. That's definitely postgraduate. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.